As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rabona podcast. Once again, I'm Musa Kwonga, joined by Ryan Hun. Michael De Silva is indisposed. He's in transit. He is in transit. He's in transit. Should we fill people in? Shall we? Yeah, let's do it. So we've got a bit of news about the podcast. So <sighs> Michael's relocated, but he's still going to be on the podcast, but just he will. one in every few. And you're away for the next two weeks. That's me. I'm away for the next two weeks. But we are going to run the podcast still, but it might just be me solo with some oh, guests because no. there's a lot of really big games coming up we've got the champions league obviously this week yeah and some really important league games so what i'm gonna tr- what we're gonna try and do is get some people who maybe are experts on those clubs involved specifically to join us for something a little bit different but you're just missing the next two mondays basically and then you're That's back right. so yeah, yeah, yeah don't worry i'll be traveling to a part of the world where it's very difficult to get yeah really good and connection. also you need to recharge some batteries Oh, but Rabona recharges my batteries. This is your winter break. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm taking a winter break. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, don't worry, Okwonga fans. Thank you. He will be back. I will be back. Exactly. It's just going to be weird staring at the... Em- I've got two empty chairs to stare at oh, now. No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Existential crisis. How was your weekend, though? It was great. I actually, I finally cleaned my flat, which oh. is wonderful. And I bought two really comfortable chairs. Wow. They're so nice. That means you're going to have to invite people around then. Yeah, exactly. Which I've never done before. People <laughs> always joke. My, my flat's like this mythical space. <laughs> people in Berlin think I don't have a flat because they're like, we've never seen it, Musa. Do you just wander the streets like all night? It's like, no, I actually live somewhere. It's like, where do bees go to sleep? Ex- yeah. Where I'm, does I'm Musa like a pigeon. It's like baby pigeons. No one ever sees baby pigeons. I'm like one of them. <laughs> but like, I have a flat and actually these chairs are so nice. You know when you try a chair out for the first time? Mm-hmm. I fell asleep. It's one of these really, it's, it's really sort of, it's one of those high chairs, like a kind of like a mix between a kind of lazy boy. High chair? It's, it's a mix between, it's a really high back. <laughs> no, not like that. He's got like a plastic tray in front of it. It's, <laughs> it's filled with lots of those tiny sort of polystyrene balls. Oh. And it's super, it's like a bean bag and an armchair mixed into one. And it's amazing. Wow. So I bought a couple of them actually. 
Um, and I fell asleep in it beautifully, like proper old man style. Is so, that, yeah. that why you didn't get back to me? Uh, <laughs> cut that bit out, no, no. <laughs> so we're here. How, actually, well, how was your weekend? I'm being rude. How was yours? It was all right, man. I made my triumphant return. Did you score? I did not. I, well, I was one on one with the goalkeeper and I unselfishly squared it for a tap in and my team. Oh, yeah, of course, people don't realize that Ryan's actually a brilliant number 10. People don't realize I'm this. not a number 10, <laughs> I'm a more of a, an eight. An aging number eight. An eight. <laughs> I could play number six, number eight, number ten. My, my days are long. My playing days are long behind me. But, but um, yeah, I squared it, and then uh, my teammate got cleaned out as he went to tap it in, and we got a penalty, which we subsequently missed. Oh so no. I should have just finished it. So Learned, you got a pre-assist. You what I learned from that is be more selfish. Bury it. But uh, yeah, we ended up. We were five nil up, and then this this team was bottom of the league, and it was about sixtieth minute, and then they walked off. So we got rewarded a 6-0 victory. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> there you go. Good times. The German Amateur League is thriving then. Oh, yeah. glad to hear. To be honest, I was glad it kind of wrapped up then because I was knackered. My first started and I shouldn't have started my first game. The, first last, game one this play, year. the last one I played German Amateur Football and it's a really high standard here, I've got to say. It's a really lovely standard. Um, yeah, I mean, we train twice a week. You know? the, the, the last one I played... I came off the pitch and I was relieved. That's like, how you know it's done. Yeah, I knew I was done. Like The speed of the football, I don't think I completed a single pass, a single forward pass in the last 15 minutes. I was just playing a square and back because you couldn't pass through the lines because the press was so good. And I was like, you know, at this level, you don't risk anything. Um, so I just kept like laying it square and back. And I thought, you know what? Now nah, I'm, I'm done with this. Do you know, yeah, on the weekend, I, I'd like to think of myself as someone who... A pillow, would, go on, could, say, pillow. Would, a pillow. Could, would like consistently ah, ah. register quite a high pass completion percentage which is true i think my pass completion in the first 15 minutes was about nine percent oh my god (laughs) so bad (laughs) but you know i as they say i grew into the game (laughs) game. should we talk about real football (laughs) oh no yeah let's get into real football okay look so um talking of uh real football but also leagues that are close this podcast is going to be called who blinks first simply because we're going to talk about two leagues where either top or bottom. Things are very, very close. And we're going to start with the Premier League. We are. We're going to be joined by Semra Hunter from La Liga TV later to talk about La Liga and specifically the uh, Seville derby, which was brilliant on the weekend. And And also the incredibly tight relegation battle in La Liga. Anyone not watching La Liga yet who listens to this podcast, get on it. Doesn't matter if you're late to it. Doesn't matter at all. Just get on. I would say I'd recommend start with Dazun maybe and look at their um, highlights from the season. La Liga do a really good roundup as well. They do like a, a minute 30 roundup of games. But La Liga this year has been an absolute, I mean, it's been popular. There's a few, quite a few free to air games in the UK as well. Yeah, yeah. So check it out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but, but yeah, back, first back to, to the Premier League. Right. So. Well, I suppose before we should start, it's the 30th anniversary of Hillsborough today. Oh, hey, listen. Yeah, absolutely. And um, let me just say that about Hillsborough that um, it's one of those moments in a generation where you know where you were when the mm. news came through. Uh, I was watching the, I think it wasn't live. It was either, there was um, some BBC um, some footage and it was coming in from the, sort of about Leppings Lane and never, um, Leppings Lane is one of these phrases you can never forget. Leppings mm. Lane. I just remember everyone just saying Leppings Lane, Leppings Lane is all happening. And the news slowly came out and just horrifying what the families had been through. It's incredible, obviously, how the city has rallied round and yeah, just thinking of all the families today. Yeah, um, definitely. Just felt, and I'm glad you mentioned it because I think it's a thing that needed to be marked. So yeah. I was really, really young when that happened. It was, I can kind of remember it, but it's one of those things that it doesn't matter what what team you support or yeah, wh- whoever, it's just something that you never, I don't think you'll ever forget. Right. And um, you obviously never, ever want to see it again. 
just because football is like a place that you go to escape. Do you know what I mean? You, you were about, we're going to talk later about this, the the derby um, between Sevilla and Betis and the incredible sense of theatre. Like you're going to mm. a football match for a sense of theatre, for community. It's a bit like a church, you know, in a kind of secular church. And it's all these incredible things. And, you know, that Liverpool team was playing such beautiful football as well and actually played wonderful. I mean, the final was astonishing. Yeah. Like the actual, the final itself was wonderful. So it's just, you know, the tragedy of it is that a place where you go to escape so many of the world's problems ends up creating yeah. a defining moment um, in that sense, in a negative sense. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, thinking of thinking yeah. of anyone who who's affected by that. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. But moving on to happier stuff. Yeah, brighter things. So Liverpool faced Chelsea, uh, which was an emotional game for so many reasons. We won't mention the S word yeah. because enough has been talked about that. But they came through and they came through in a very Liverpool style. And when I say Liverpool style, I mean as in what I love about this Liverpool team is they find so many ways to beat you. Mm. They can play aggressive, hard out the gate. They can wait. They can draw the sting. They can play patience. They can go end to end. They just have this incredible versatility. Oh, the energy around that place is yeah. unbelievable. And Naby Keita has picked it up as well, hasn't he? He's yeah, I'm really it. pleased for him actually because yeah. uh, he, tough start. he had a really tough start. But um, and Fabinho as well and they're just playing really well. What a player though. Yeah, I mean, that midfield's Nice, it's especially legit. with Ronaldo as well. I think he's one of the most underrated midfielders in the Premier League. Yeah, it's so so tight to call. Um, I think it was Miguel Delaney wrote a tweet yes uh, on the weekend saying that Liverpool could, in theory, I think, finish with ninety seven points and have only lost once this season and still not win the title. Right. So I- that one game against Manchester City really would be the, the the reason that they... I mean, obviously, when, when you yeah. kind of highlight any game, you could say, oh, well, we drew that game or we drew this game. But actually losing that one game could prove Where to be... Where both teams were brilliant. And that was, that was, I think, one of the games of the season as well, that game, the it's, Manchester City. It's one of the best games of the last five years. Yeah. Like, to see two teams going at <clears> it. How often do you see two teams going at it? Often in big games, they shut down. Yeah. But they were like... Guard down, level it, on points. It was genuinely epic. Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely um, amazing. But yeah, on the weekend against Chelsea, I thought they were, they thoroughly deserved it. I think. That's I think the class above. Just yeah, I mean, I think Bar Hazard for Chelsea. I, I just think Liverpool were. Hazard is like an ice dancer. Watching him is genuinely like watching. Brilliant. Yeah, he. It was the, the amazing thing about Hazard. He's basically been on a run ever since. for eighteen last eighteen months, pretty much. Um, I mean, the World Cup, he was mind-blowing. The thing I love most about Hazard is when he runs into the corner of the pitch and he's being pressed by the defender and then he just swivels one way than the other and he just beats his man by like just body swerve, not even not even touching the ball. Um, but they handle him really well, actually, Liverpool, considering how brilliant he's been. He still caused trouble, but had no real outlet for what he was doing. Um, and the thing what I love about Liverpool is they can, you have to hurt them collectively. They're such a good team that it's very difficult for one player to run right against them. Yeah. I mean, we spoke about this a million times this season, but the two main areas that were their kind of downfall really over the last couple of seasons under, under Klopp, they just addressed. Yeah. And you've seen how how hard it is to score against them. You know, with Alisson in goal, with Van Dijk added into that defence. I mean, this isn't saying anything new at all, but I think even with someone like Hazard on the weekend, you just saw how difficult it is. And Hazard has turned some of the world's best defences into, into traffic cones. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Do you know what's nuts about um, Liverpool, actually? 
how big they are. Like they're huge. So I was, they went up for a corner. There was a corner and I was like, looking. I was like, Fabinho, Matip. Matip is huge. Van Dyke. They're so big that Jordan Henderson looks short. He's six foot tall. Yeah. He's six foot tall. He looks five, seven. Like he looks like Chavi when you're around them. And it's not because he's not short. Even Klopp. What's Klopp? Six, three. I mean, they're, they're absolute skyscrapers. And no one really talks about that, but they're, they're a big side. Big lads. Big lads, yeah, definitely. Lovely first goal. Yep, very they, much they've so. sc- That seems to be a goal that they've scored quite a lot recently, Liverpool. Isn't it funny because City have got their goal and Liverpool have got their goal. There's like yeah. a City-type goal. And there's a a little dink, goal. free header. Yeah. They've scored quite a few of those. I might, this might be... It's a sign of a team that's been really well, that plays well in combination. Yeah, I mean, and I think they're getting... They've adapted quite well through teams learning how to set up against them right. as well. You know, they would be lightning on the counter-attack. And Can that- I say as well, I didn't know that Salah was def- was dangerous from there. That range, I, I don't know how many he scored from that range. I remember thinking, I, I, of course he's a great finisher. I'm like, I didn't know you had that. Do you know what I thought when that goal went in? And obviously we're talking about Mo Salah's second, well, his first, but Liverpool's second, is that those kind of efforts from those kind of players only ever go in. Interesting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I get it. Yep, 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 yep. It's rare that you would... Or is it? Is it? Is this just that no, you it's just like, don't forget, you no, just actually, don't remember the, the ones that... I actually want to add something to it's that. It's almost so absurd yeah. and so unexpected that it kind of just has to go in. Iniesta, actually. Sevilla. Yeah. There's a goal he's got against Sevilla where he just hits this unbelievable curling strike. And it's like he didn't hit that many from that range, you know, like from that extreme distance. And it's that shot, when you, when you have players of that type making that shot selection, you're right. It's like they got... There was one that Aaron Ramsey scored against Galatasaray a few seasons ago in the Champions League. Oh, yes. That remember, left yes, foot course. half volley. Of course. That flew in the top corner from so far out. Yeah. The, those kind of players taking that shot selection at that time is... It's, it's so, like a heat check in basketball. It's like when you're, when you're feeling your game, yeah. when you're really feeling it and you're like... This is the moment to drop that in. You know, it's like, you know, there's, there's certain there's certain players will like they'll they'll hit like two three pointers a season. What's happened? It was playoffs began in the NBA on the weekend, and in the uh, Portland Trailblazers OKC game, they literally straight from the tip, Dame Lillard just hit like a a three pointer from Seattle, <laughs> and it was just straight from in, deep. and it was just like, all right, here Set we go. Tone. Yeah, yeah. You're such you know, it's, it's such a funny um thing you picked up on there. It's when a player is feeling it. Yeah. And Salah was feeling, I think actually the touch, the touch that he takes is unbelievable. I think he takes it with his right foot. Yeah. He picks out, I mean, he gets a 40 yard pass and he takes it on his right foot, which opens up the angle. Then he checks inside, actually Gareth Bale style. Yeah. So he's taken this incredible first touch. And then the way he launches it, the great thing is the keeper has a clear sight of it. Mm. You know, Kepa sees it coming from a very long distance and is nowhere yeah, he's not blinded at no, all by no, it. Yeah. You can see him shape to shoot. He can see him strike the ball and it's still just no chance. It's like that scene. I mean, I'm sorry to use this pop culture reference, but that Star Wars scene when the Starkiller base, it releases the laser and they're just watching it attack, approach their doomed oh, planet. You, they're you, watching it and they're like, oh, we can't. Do you know what I was going to say? It's the scene from Austin Powers with the roller. Oh my God. <laughs> no that's better that's a much better no. reference because <laughs> it's so far away yeah, but still but it was going a hell of a lot quicker but it's inevitable it's inevitable yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah great strike and it's funny because oh yeah, apparently Salah was not playing that well this season but obviously he's uh, having a blinder can I say as well yep. big fan of that celebration oh yes yes what the one iconic the one legged celebration brilliant he did it twice just to make sure he got snapped he seems to be enjoying his football this season. I, 
Do you know what? The second half of the season anyway. First half, he seemed a bit unhappy, but... I think Mo Salah would be a really great friend. I think so. He just strikes me as the kind of be like a nice friend. Well, they speak really highly of him. And Liverpool's a small town, so if he wasn't a nice guy, it would whoa, get whoa, around quickly. Whoa, 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 don't, don't say that. Well, no, no. Cover it's, the mic. Like anyone that's, you know, Liverpool, is, it's one of those places where you go, and Berlin's like that. It's a city, but it feels like it's got a small town feel, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, everyone in, knows, in a good way. Yeah, everyone, yeah, exactly. Like Manchester, you know, I grew like, up in Manchester, you, and it's the very same thing. Yeah, big, you, quite you, a big city, relatively, but it feels yeah. like a town. Yeah. You look at the Melwood training ground, it's right in the middle of Liverpool, yeah, yeah. and it's right in the heart. It's not like they're so, like, detached. It's right in the heart of the of the town. And so everyone knows everyone, everyone knows someone. In, so for, for Salah's reputation to emerge enhanced from an area like that, it says a lot about him as a, as a, as a character. Big uh, fan, big fan of Mo Salah. Yeah, big fan. We're big, big fans. Fan. So very happy for him. So before Liverpool beat Chelsea, I mean, they had to beat Chelsea because Man City beat yeah. Palace, which is a tricky away game. Really, for sure, yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously they lost to Palace in the reverse fixture. Right. Yeah, this is a tough game for City because Palace had beaten them at the Etihad, but they handled their business. Like, with another, Sorry, with another goal that in the in the Etihad game that only goes in for Andros Townsend. Andros Townsend has been, he's really elevated. This is probably his best year actually, isn't it? Yeah. Enough, the Premier League. Yeah, he's been great. In terms of the performances he's put in. Um, so shout out to Troy Townsend. Uh, kick it out of Kick It Out, who is Andros's father. And Troy's doing some great work on anti-racism, has been doing for many years. Shout out, Troy. But yeah, City, very professional. Came in and handled it. De Bruyne's pass for the opener was stunning. And then the finish from Sterling. Just before Sterling strikes it, you think it's going bottom corner, far post, and he hits it above the keeper. I mean... Raheem Sterling has got some serious, serious swag. He's got the the guts, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely right. He's just a truly elite player. 21 goals now. He's unbelievable. 20 last year. Now he has, I think, 21. So it's more than... He's just... I I think 23 last year, 21 this year set to maybe overtake what he did last year. But it's not just the goals, it's the contribution. Yeah, he's just brilliant. He's having a brilliant, brilliant season. He's just a brilliant player and pff, both of, of his best, goals yeah. were unbelievable. Yeah, one of the best wide forwards in the world. His finish for the second, his second goal was terrific as well. Oh, I love that finish. Just clipped it. But it was almost like a half control, half shot. It was a forehand pass. Just It just killed, I was going to say it was a drop shot. Because he kind of killed the pace out of it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, dunk. What I love about um, Sterling as well is he's just so technically accomplished. And it's just so lovely to watch. I mean, like, watch, I mean, Sterling and Sané, what a treat that is to have these two players on either wing. I mean, we spoke about Hazard. There's a lot of similarities between Hazard and Sterling, I think, just in how hard they are to get the ball off. One thing, I, the thing I would compare them most in, actually, and what I love them for when I put Dembele in this class as well, is the way they attack space. Mm. There was a game, um, City still went over Liverpool, that, that fantastic match, the sort of the epic struggle. And the amount of space Sterling created just by pulling out to the wing, the amount of space. I mean, he's just on a different level, I think. Absolutely. And it means that this title race is going to the wire. To the wire. What I will say is this, City, I think, is far tougher for them. Still have to play Spurs, still have to play United. I tip Liverpool start of this season. I still stand by that. I still think yeah. they have the chops. Liverpool are in the boat. Like for Liverpool as a club and with Klopp as a manager and the energy and the emotion that's around that football club, they're in the perfect, perfect position. Absolutely. Because even if they don't win the league, they've pushed it so far and they would have achieved so much this season that you can't really 
criticise them for anything, not at all, really. Not at all, not at all. Whereas Manchester City, also with all the money that they've spent, I think that if they do slip up and then Liverpool pounce... Yeah, there are other unnamed clubs who've spent huge amounts, um, comparable sums to Liverpool, unnamed clubs, and who have not achieved the heights that Liverpool have achieved. We Paris, shall not name those clubs. Paris Saint-Germain, yes, which we will come also, on to also, later. Also Premier League clubs we shall not name, who spent a lot of money who haven't, you know, so we shall not name those clubs. Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God damn it, Wolves. Why aren't you winning the league? Yeah, so um, who blinks first? I think that actually City will blink first and I think Liverpool will be champions. I stand by that. That's my view. I don't I don't know. I don't know anything. How, how lovely, how refreshing to have a football pundit who doesn't know. Don't call me a pundit. You are a pundit. Oh. You look like a pundit. You're not... I mean, oh my all, God, that's the meanest thing you've the ever audience, said to me. The audience, uh, you can't see what Ryan's wearing, but he's dressed like a pundit today. He's wearing that kind of like Bayern Munich style blazer. Got, just wearing, I'm wearing a champion t-shirt and tracksuit bottoms. <laughs> Champion, yeah, you are. You are. I am actually wearing a champion season. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ryan. Other brands are available. That was slander. slander. <laughs> uh, Should we take a break and then come back and speak to Semra? Absolutely, let's do it. We're joined once again by Semra Hunter, the host of La Liga TV, to discuss not only the wonderful Sevilla derby but also the La Liga relegation battle, which is currently hotting up like nothing else. Samra, great to have you with us again. Thank you very much. Great to be back. And what a game this weekend, the derby. My goodness. It was unbelievable. Did you guys have a chance to watch it? Oh, yes. I did indeed. I did indeed. My goodness. Well done. Well done. What is it, the way these teams go at it? It's wild. Well, you know, it's interesting because I think when you get media coverage around the world most people will focus on the classical they'll focus on now the madrid derby between real madrid and atletico madrid but the thing about the the seville derby that's so different to any other derby i think in spain is the amount of passion and emotion and pure football that goes into this game right i mean they take it so so seriously and it obviously goes way way back but i mean you, you you listen to the hymn as they start before you know the, the game even starts and the players are walking out into the pitch and it just gives you chills it's such a beautiful song and it, it the you can hear the whole stadium singing a cappella to this wow. and it's just beautiful and they do that for the next 90 minutes you have a full stadium just chanting and singing behind the players the whole way through injecting so much energy into the players on the pitch and this particular game actually came probably at at the best time possible this season because it kick-started Semana Santa, which is Holy Week or Easter, which I think, as many of us know, is a huge deal down in the southern part of Spain. And that's followed by the Feria de Abril, which is a huge festival in April. So April is like a holy month in Andalusia, especially in Seville, which is the capital of the region. So for one of these two teams to walk into that with the bragging rights is, is massive. Now, these two teams in particular in this game, I mean, Kikis at the end, he had never lost a derby. This was the first one that he had lost in four games after he'd taken over um, Real Betis. There was a lot on the line for Joaquin Caparros as well. He's back for his third stint. Uh, he just announced publicly last week that he has um, chronic leukemia, even though he says he has it under control. It's not going to put a hamper or a damper on his uh, position on the touchline that he's going to stay with the team. So you had that extra element in this particular match as well with, um, I think, the players wanting to get a result for him. I think the fans also wanting to support him as well. So there was a bit more of that emotional element 
to it from the Seville fan, or the Sevilla fans rather, in this particular game. It was interesting because the first maybe 20 minutes or so, Betis actually played more like a Sevilla style and Sevilla played more like a Betis style. Well, I think we expected Kike Setien's team to come out possession-based. Um, but they went a bit more vertical on attack. They started playing a lot more of the long balls. They had the better chances. Jesse, unfortunately, missed some really big one-on-one chances that he probably shouldn't have. Sevilla were actually playing a bit more um, possession-based football as well. It took them a while to get into it. We know Caparros is traditionally a very defensive-minded coach as well. But once they opened the scoring, I mean, it was incredible. And it was just, it was, it was a beautiful goal as well. Pablo Sarabia, once again, with the assist, Munir getting his second goal in two weeks in a row in a bounce, uh, just after scoring his first La Liga goal last weekend with Sevilla. Pablo Sarabia is a fabulous player, by the yeah. way. I mean, he also got in the score sheet. And he's one player that has reached double figures in goals and assists. He's 11-11. But there's only one other player in the entire league that has reached double figures, and I bet you guys know who that is. Is it by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> the guy, that guy. <laughs> What's nuts about Sarabia is he always seems to pop up. Like yeah. he's there's um is um Sarabia the guy at Valencia as well um oh, Danny Parejo yes Parejo Parejo and Sarabia always popped up even when I wasn't following La Liga that closely and I was like they're almost like this sort of benchmark a bit like Cathola was in uh, the Premier League these players you don't watch every week but they always seem to stand out yeah if that makes sense he's having the season of his life and just with the game itself I mean they went into the half one one it was quite even. The- Obviously, the second half is when everything changed. There were four goals. It was a bit mental. I think there were three goals in a span of 10 minutes. Uh, I do think Ike at the end got it a little bit wrong. Um, I think he probably should have started with Christian Deio. Mm, And maybe even Sergio Leon. The two of them were really good in that 5-3 victory last season at the sanchez Pizjuan. I'm not the biggest fan of Jesse, <laughs> as you guys probably already know. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think he also made changes a little bit too late in the game. I think he brought in Joaquin. It was maybe the 70th minute or so, 65th minute. Also with Christian Deio, he obviously scored that unbelievable direct free kick. I think other than Messi, yeah, so he's probably good. one of the best. I mean, it was beautiful. Stunning think, free kick, yeah. Yeah. The defenders, I mean, Vatrick, I don't think anybody even flinched. I mean, it was it was gorgeous. You know, credit to Betis for coming back from behind and and, and almost making it, you know, three three and, and leveling it up. But it was too little, too late, I think, for them. And Sevilla played really well, and uh, now they're fourth on the table, so they've achieved that goal of being back in the Champions League. We'll see if they can hold on to it. Obviously, they have tough competition with Getafe and, and Valencia. But for Betis, this was kind of like their last chance to stay in that race to Europe. And now I think they've probably slipped a little bit too far away. And I think that could ultimately cost Kike Setien his job by the end of the season. Oh, that's a shame. You yes. kind of read my my mind and answered my question about Sevilla jumping back into the Champions League spot. So I'm going to go yeah. down to the other end of the table. Okay. We're obviously neutrals on this podcast when it comes to La Liga, kind of, <laughs> apart from Musa's incredible athletic bias. But <laughs> I kind of get the feeling that everyone was quite pleased to see Villarreal jump out of the relegation spots on the weekend. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think a lot of that is because of a man that all of us love, and I think I can safely say that, is uh, Santi Cazorla. I mean, last weekend, when he missed that penalty, 
he, I don't know if you guys saw this. Oh, there yeah. was a video circulating of him crying. Yeah, heartbreaking. Uncontrollably because that's how much this means to him, you yeah. know? I mean, after everything that he's been through, after all of those surgeries and to come back and to be playing as incredibly well as he has been and to be carrying Villarreal on his shoulders a lot of the way through this season, it's just, it was so heartbreaking to see that. Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of people are very happy that they did beat Girona and that they were able to 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 come out of the drop zone and, and they deserved it. They deserved to win that game. They played very well. Girona, quite honestly, they looked as though they just weren't even that concerned yes. about their situation. Which is which strange. Is a, they're not safe. So strange. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the thing, actually. Girona, anyone, including Girona, down. So Girona in 14th. Anyone below that could really go down. Exactly. I mean, just to quickly run through. I mean, okay, so you've got Girona in 14th on 34 points. Villarreal, 33. Levante, 33. Celta, 32. By the lead, 31. We're talking about three points between five teams. Spicy. It's it's so spicy. And I think... <laughs> I love that word, by the way. But I think what makes this particular relegation battle so fascinating this season is that every year, I think maybe about halfway or a third of the way through the season, there's at least one team where you say, okay, they've been absolutely rubbish this season. They're going down for sure. You can rely on that. You can count on it. It's done. But this campaign, everyone's actually been playing pretty decent football. Right, From right, yeah. Wesker, Rayo, Violet, all of them. They've really given a lot of the top teams a run for their money. In some cases, they've even beaten them or they've drawn them with them. And they've been playing decent football. Right. And you just think it's it's unbelievable. The quality gap is actually not that big no. at all. Valladolid Real was an absolute classic, stone-cold classic game there. I mean, that was, yeah. was it 4-2 Real in the end, but... Friday could have been 2 3 0 up at one point. It was absolutely nuts. Yeah, and they drew yeah. a Getafe on the weekend. Yeah. So, I mean, that was the thing, like Viadid, points for Viadid and Wesker on the weekend against Getafe and Barca. The thing with Viadid is that they were really unlucky. Yeah. Because they they started out losing to Getafe, but then they came back and then they took the lead. So they were winning 2 1 all the way until the 96th minute. And then I think it was the nerves or you know, you're getting to the end and you think, oh my God, we're going to win this game and we're going to win against Hitafe, which have been in fourth for most of the season. And they gave away a really silly penalty and then Jorge Molina, he stepped up, he buried it and then it was 2-2. So really for them, it was two points lost more than it was a point gained because that's what cost them slipping into the drop zone. Out of all of the teams in the bottom end of the table, by the lead for me, that was probably the toughest result i'm not sure i want any of those bottom six to go down or seven <laughs> exactly, sorry exactly exactly no i feel exactly the same way this season you you look at those teams and you say who do you want to go down you say none mm. i think I what's love for all of these teams to stay up what's know? exciting summer is that like all of these teams have had really exciting peaks yeah. um via delete the reason why i think they might go down is because there's always one team that's too lucky to, that's too good to go down yeah. And they've played such astonishing football at their peak. I mean, the stuff against Rail, the first half against Rail, Viadolid were like, I mean, I know Rail were kind of in a bit of mourning, a period of mourning, but they were still brilliant. And I yeah. just wonder if they're the kind of side until the, until the last day, they can't quite believe they're in this position. There's always one yeah. team that's a bit shell-shocked by where they are. And yeah. I think, I wonder if it might be them this year. I agree. I mean, they, they, they have been so unlucky on so many occasions, you know, and, and I think what's really hurt them is the fact that they can't, they're creating chances. They just can't convert any of them. They can't score goals. That is problem. One quick question. Well, two actually, Samra. Massive, massive Easter weekend for the relegation battle in La yes. Liga. 
So wow. Girona go to Celta, Huesca go to Rio, Levante have got Espanyol at home, uh, Villarreal have Leganes at home. So it could all change again. It's so tight down there. Have you got any vibes how it's going to look this time next week? Oh, man, that is a really good question. And one that is very difficult to answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, okay, so we've got Felta Girona, right? So mm-hmm. I think, first of all, I think Yago Aspas was very intelligent in forcing that fifth yellow card so that he could sit out against Atletico Madrid because yeah. I think they knew that out of the remaining games, that was probably the least winnable. So now he's rested after that marathon of scoring five goals in three games and two yeah. assists and literally carrying his team out of the drop zone. So I think it was a good chance for him to to take a bit of a rest and then recharge the batteries for what's coming up. Yeah, definitely. And I think looking at how Girona played this weekend, I, I think there's every chance that Celta will beat Girona. Mm. Especially because they're playing at home and the fans have been incredible mm. at home. I don't know if you've seen any images before games, but just they're packing the streets around wow. the stadium. You know, it, it's almost as if they're going to some like Champions League final or something. <laughs> They've got the flares out. They're banging on the buses that drive through, trying to motivate them, trying to you know inspire them. And, and it's been working the last couple of weeks. Yeah, they're really and, doing their bit. Yeah, they really, really are. And they've gone for the whole La Reconquista, which is the reconquest. And they're really getting in behind the team as a 12th man to, to help them with this. Whereas Girona, I don't get that vibe from them at all. Yeah, sorry to cut in, but I think Girona strike me as a club who could kind of deal with going down to the Segunda. Yeah. They seem, I think they... They know their size. They know that they're kind of punching above their weight a little bit, even yeah. if they are now owned by the City Group, right? Girona. Yeah. But yeah, they strike me as the club out of all of that bottom seven, maybe the stakes aren't so high, maybe bar Wesco. I think maybe Wesco and Girona seem like the two clubs who are like, well, if we go down, we go down. It's We had a good run kind of thing. But the rest of them seem yeah. to really desperately be trying to force the yeah. situation. Yeah, I agree. Because watching Wesco play at home against Barcelona this weekend, you got the same kind of feeling from, from the fans. It was like, you know, beautiful uh, day out for football. Uh, let's just enjoy it. Let's have some fun. And, you know, let's cheer on our team. But not in the same way that you yeah. see Felta, for example. Yeah. I mean, or I, even Rayo, for example. I mean, actually, I think from my point of view, the, the fact that Wesco could, in theory, still stay up is incredible. And actually, yeah. how important that run was at the beginning of the season. Because yeah. they went on that amazing run, didn't they, when they when they Absolutely, first came up, yeah, and that yeah. that's kind of kept them in any kind of contention. Scared a lot of big teams. Um, one quick question before we let you go: I'm sat sure. across the table from a Manchester United fan. You are in Barcelona. Any thoughts about the Champions League second leg? Oh gosh. Oh boy, he's probably not going to like what I have to say. <laughs> I, I'm sorry to say this, but I think Barcelona are going through. They're playing at home next, and. They've never beaten Manchester United ever in Old Trafford, right? In something like 54 years or ever? What yeah. was it? I mean, Valverde, they masterminded the first ever victory for Barcelona against Manchester United away. And I mean, they didn't play well, let's be honest. Mm. <laughs> they didn't play no. very well. <laughs> but they got the job done and now they're going to be playing at home. And that's going to be a massive boost for them as well. And I think it'll be really tough for Manchester United. Yeah. Well, Messi just looks absolutely locked in. He well, looks... that's, that's the thing, you know, it's if, if he's on, if he's switched on, I don't think anybody can stop him. But I want to, okay, I want to put a question to you then, Musa. Oh my goodness. Okay, here we go. <laughs> okay. After that game, Chris Smalling, I don't know if you saw this or heard this. He was talking about his point of view from that game against Barcelona. Right. And he was saying something like, oh, you know, actually, I don't think we played that badly. I think at some points we were actually playing better than Barcelona. I think we have more control and, and so on. It, it, 
it, it was a little bit surreal. Mm. So it's kind of like, mm, what are you thinking, man? I mean, do you think that uh, if they are so overly optimistic about how they played against Barcelona, that that's really going to do a bit of harm against them? I think, okay, to be honest with you, I mean, Chris Smalling, I think what he did to Messi was despicable. And he's lucky he didn't get red for that. Um, yeah. The fact that he said before the game, bring it on, and then comes the challenge like that, it's very difficult for me to say that was anything other than intentional. And he's lucky not to have got Elisa Stearns talking and a, and a yellow. Um, yeah. And the talk about, I think the one thing that Barca, I, th I don't think Barca were their best. They played, I think, below their best. Yeah. The only key worry, I think, was Busquets, who for me looked really, I mean, ponderous. And I never yeah. thought I would use Busquets and ponderous in the same sentence. But playing out from the if you said to me, oh, Busquets will trouble, have trouble playing out from the back against United, I was like, no way. But he did for some strange reason. No, you're um, right. And he hasn't looked himself. He's looked a step slow um, at a couple of points. I saw it a little bit last season, but more so this season. Um, yeah. Actually, what I went to see was a game I saw against Valencia, and I was really excited to see Busquets live. And I was like, oh my God, Busquets is actually not not getting it done. Got a lot of miles on the clock, that boy. He does. Yeah. He does. I think that's, that's it. That I think, is true. I think it's, with Busquets, I think it's physical degradation because the game where I went to see, they actually had Iniesta coming back and doing a lot of the playing out, which they often do. Like if Barca struggling to play out, they get him back or they got him back to kind of, because he just never loses the ball. Um, and, and a lot of the time in that game, Busquets was having Iniesta do that for him. So I think that Frankie de Jong, frankly, cannot arrive quickly enough. I mean, he's, that yeah. is one of the things that he is, supreme at Frankie Dion dropping in between centre backs and just never looking hurried or in we actually pressure, howling really. I mean we are slightly biased in this podcast we were watching uh, Ajax Real Madrid and I was howling with laughter we were crying at the attempts, we were crying and yeah, hugging <laughs> the attempts to catch Frankie Dion were just hilarious yeah. It was like watching Roadrunner, wasn't it? It yeah. was. It was like watching Roadrunner and like the coyote was just like going this way and that like poor Modric and Vinicius and I was like you're not going to get close to him, lad. It's um, like he's, he's already, you know, tempting fate for next season. He, he is, he is. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he's uh, I think he's going to settle in just fine. Oh, I think, yeah, I agree. He's I such a Barca that, player. I, that's such an astute signing. It's beautiful. Yeah. Semra, before you go, do you want to just let people know where they can find you? You've got La Liga TV coming up, etc. Of course. So if you want to find me on a personal level on Twitter, for example, it's at Semra Hunter. Same with Instagram at Semra underscore Hunter. Those are the two that I primarily use in terms of social media. And then for work, you can find me on La Liga TV. In the UK, it's on 11, 11 Sports. In the US, be in sports. I think Australia, be in sports. Africa, super sports all over the place. Nice. So yeah, find us. It's good fun. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Well, <laughs> absolute pleasure to have you with us. Always a joy and uh, hopefully catch you soon. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I would love to catch up again sometime soon. Okay, we're back from the break. I messed up this week. I forgot to ask for questions. Oh, no. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Ryan hesitated because I was dancing. I yeah, if... it was... Have you watched The Emperor's New Groove? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dancing is a bit like watching Uncle Phil in Fresh Prince of uh, Bel-Air. For those who want a visual guide, that's... Uh, yeah, Uncle, imagine it's like, Uncle uh, Phil. Do you remember those magic eye things that you used to have to stare at to figure out what the shape was? It's like a moving <laughs> one of those. Like, what is this? In the I don't know. I was dancing. I'm just happy. I think I'm demob happy. Is it because you secretly don't like the questions? Is that what you were celebrating? <laughs> no, no, no. I think since I'm off on my two-week uh, winter break. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Demon yeah, happy. Enjoy. Um, we're going to dart around some leagues quickly. Yep, yep. So, Bundesliga. Bayern beat 
Dusseldorf, uh, they needed to win to remain top after Dortmund had beaten Mines or scraped through against Mines on Saturday. Oh my God. Jaden yeah. Sancho, two goals. Sancho corner. There you go. Two goals yeah. for Jaden, one deflected. Um, but Dortmund, Dortmund. Uh, Goetze was good. He was good. Goetze he also good. Uh, looks like he shifted loads of weight. He looked like cut. Well, he had. he's had a real problem actually with his metabolism, I think. And it was yeah. a real, it's, it's always been a problem for him, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a fundamental problem. But he, he looked great. Looked like, he looks in really good shape now. Really yeah. good shape. Yeah, yeah. Good on you, Mario. Yeah, and he's playing. Still only 26 years and, old, and Mario. And a lovely Gosa. footballer. 26. I know, he's done it all. Feels like he's been around forever. A lovely footballer. Um, but <sighs> Dortmund are stuttering and spluttering. Bayern are running away with it, aren't they? Well, they're not, but they the they just difference. look, they the just difference. look, pff, I don't know, it's looking a little bit too easy for Bayern at the moment. They've got their foot on the neck of the league. That's what it is. You see them against Fortuna and the way they opened up. I mean, Gnabry as well. I mean, talk about the quality of coaching. Yeah. And Gnabry's just been great. Shout out to Thomas Muller for trying to claim that first goal of Kings of the Coma <laughs> when he didn't even touch it. <laughs> you can actually see David Alaba say, did you touch it? And really? I think he nods or something in the celebration. He's like, sneaky Thomas. He really wants that goal. Sneaky Thomas. He really Thomas. wants that goal. <laughs> so yeah, Coma got two. Yeah, yeah. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt. They got done, didn't they? Oh. First time they've lost this year in any... Oh, well, no, actually, that's a complete lie because they lost against Benfica. That was the first yeah. time they'd lost this year. 3-1, was it? They got beat. And then they lost 3-1 to Augsburg at home. Augsburg. Had a man sent off. Although Augsburg are a tricky proposition away from home, have been for the last three, four years. They've been quite... They're quite difficult in specific away games. Yeah, they, um, can, be, they can be tricky. I mean, it's... A, still, I mean, the form that Eintracht have been in Right. They were kind of one of the most, they were, I think, the most informed side in the Bundesliga. But yeah, maybe that defeat to Benfica's Wobbledom. So that's two red cards in two games because they got a red card against Benfica as well. Mm. Actually, on Benfica, before we move on, Chao Felix scored on the weekend <laughs> and so then lovely. ran over and celebrated. If you haven't seen this video, anyone, go and check it on Twitter. I retweeted it today. Um, he scores another great goal, actually. And then he runs behind and you see him hug a ball boy. For Benfica, right? Yeah, yeah. for Benfica. And it's his 16-year-old little brother. And it's so cute. It's adorable. It's so cute. Yeah, because he, he kisses him, for, he hugs him, and then like everyone comes and like pats him the All the players head, are like coming over, him, yeah. yeah. And then he gives him a nice big little like big brother kiss at the end. It's oh. so sweet. Oh, I'm glad he's uh, I'm glad he's on everyone's radar now. He seems like a great guy. He's a nice boy. Yeah. Oh, it's a, a great, nice great footballer. Where else? Ah, oh, Italy. Juventus beaten by Spal. So this week, I think Juventus had the chance... To clinch the league? I think so. Or close enough. And Spal beat them. It was 2-1, yeah. 2-1, it was yeah. only their uh, Juventus' second defeat of the whole season. Extraordinary. Mm. Yeah, so big result there. And actually another situation, so similar situation, but slightly more explosive. PSG had the chance to win the league. It was their second chance in two weeks oh. against Lille. And they ended up losing 5-1. I mean, not even losing. It's a, it's a cleansing. Yeah, they had two goals get disallowed for offside, but they were rightly disallowed. But that's PSG's biggest league defeat in 19 years, I think. Kerr had a couple of ropey games. Yeah. He's had a couple of ropey games. This isn't the first time and he, I don't he really know got what's exposed. going on there because they could have they could have won the league last week and then you all they needed was a point, I think. The United defeat, I won. You just wonder if that has because that, you know, at PSG's peak this year they look like a team that could win the entire thing. Maybe while you're away, I'll, I'll speak to someone about PSG because I'd like to 
get into the nitty gritty on them a little bit because there's some stuff going on upstairs as well. Tuchel doesn't get on that well with the sporting director. There were some rumours about Arsene Wenger coming on board as a as a sporting director, which Tuchel really wanted to push through because he adores Arsene Wenger. Tuchel falling out with the sporting director. Ah, really? What? Never, what? what? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Plot twist. <laughs> <laughs> Plot. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's kind of like they're so far in front, they just don't want to win the league yet. But And uh, also, Joe Font scored for Lille with a lovely header. Lille in second, by the way. So mm. Actually, in this game, on BT Sport, uh, Adam Virgo was commentating on it and he came out with the most amazing quote, which <laughs> really chuckled me. So Mbappe, I think it was the assist, Mbappe assisted the goal, basically, clean Mbappe. Brilliant cross, yeah. And Adam Virgo, people may know that name, ex-Brighton and Hove Albion. Ex-Celtic as well. Ex-Celtic, ex-Coventry. Uh, he said, he came out and said on co-commentary, there's not many players in world football I enjoy commentating on, but Kylian Mbappe is one of them. It's like, dude, don't be a commentator if there's not that many. <laughs> there is a certain, yeah, there's a certain class of pundit who doesn't actually seem to enjoy football. No, I mean, I think he obviously <laughs> didn't mean to say that how he sound, how it sounded, right, right. but still it was kind of like, why give the gig to someone else, man? <laughs> you know? Although, you know, it's funny, commentary on games is such a specific skill. I just... It's tough, man. I really think I could do it because the thing about it is the silences. Well, I think actually, from I've listened to a few interviews with commentators or co-commentators, and one of the things they say is the most important thing is not saying too much, actually. It's knowing when to just be quiet instead of saying something just to fill the space. Yeah. It's incredible. Barry, Barry Davies was master. Oh. The absolute master. The absolute master. Um, so, good weekend for your beloved Wolfsburg. Yes. They yes. went two points clear at the top of the uh, Frauen Bundesliga. Yeah, we're two points clear. We're doing well. Were you there? Do you know what? Do you know what? On this podcast, the things I do you know what? I don't even want to let's just they're, they're, they're clear. Fired. <laughs> Being sending for this. Everyone always sends me on this We're just podcast. Sending for you across the table. <laughs> war the another episode of Ryan's war dubs. Exactly. <laughs> um, I was not there. The, yeah, they went two points clear thanks to Bayern dropping points at home to Essen. Essen yeah. Uh Leah Schuler, open scoring. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, we, yes, didn't we speak to her? Well you spoke to her. Yep. Fantastic. Another little plug for there's a piece on the Robona website with Leah Schuller. Hopefully, have, we should have another interview with a Frauen Bundesliga player coming yeah. up soon. From the Frauen Bundesliga to the Division 1 Feminine in France. Yeah. Leon beat PSG 5 0 to go three points clear at the top of the league with two games left. So it's going down to the wire. But they played in front of nearly 26,000. Amazing. Tasty that. Tasty crowd. Yeah. And they've been this year. Leon have been lights out, haven't they? They've been. Uh, yeah. They're just they're just a cut above, I think, anyone else in Europe. To be honest, yeah. Women's FA Cup weekend as well in England. Man City beat Chelsea one nil, and West Ham beat Reading on penalties. So it's West Ham Man City in the final. Um, I like that lineup. Actually, I like that uh, configuration. Yeah. yeah, big weekend for women's football, and it's the Champions League coming up again. I think semi final. Looking forward to those. Quickly before we go, catfish watch. <laughs> Oh no! Oh no! You know, what? can I just say this as well? I know, we, I know. I listen. I know. Look, I know. Can I just say, Everton fans, like it's not a personal thing. Hey, it's not just Everton. I'm the, the only yeah. reason I'm allowed to get away with this is because I'm an Arsenal fan, and they are the ultimate. Well, I could say, like, you could say United are a catfish for sure. That's like when we bought Foul Cow, it's like subscription catfish. You have to pay for premium catfishery premium with Arsenal. Ca- 
<laughs> you know, and United as well, the last few years, we have been the catfish when we bought Di Maria hey, and uh, Falcao. Let's, quick, let's not... Quickly on United, they were extremely lucky to get away with the win on, on the weekend. Yeah, I mean, look, I said this before on the podcast, I won't say it, I don't want to dwell on United, but I have said that I think they awarded that contract too early. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But I think they... I'm saying nothing. Anyway, that's all I've said. And I'll um, say, but yeah. yeah, Everton gifted Fulham with their third clean sheet of the season. And isn't it funny because we were like, okay, the catfish thing, I don't want to sort of overplay it. Everton beat Arsenal, right? It's the most catfish thing to beat Arsenal in the catfish derby and then to lose to a team. Was it the, th- was it the third? Yeah, the third clean sheet you said. Yeah, it's, I think it's the lowest amount of clean sheets that any side has conceded in the Premier League still, I think. I think they are, they are they are extraordinary. I mean, you got to say this though, you, you never know what you're going to get with Everton. I mean, in the words of Grandmaster Fash and the Furious 5, catfish everywhere for them keeping clean sheets like they just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I bet MF Doom supports Everton. Hey, you're not the only one who can freestyle me. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, we, we should probably roll. Okay then. Oh mate. But it's my first time off the podcast, isn't it? Since starting it in... Well, we did the one after Man United PSG when you were on the phone. Yeah, I know, but like my first time off the podcast completely. Oh. And we're going to see a massive dip in ratings. The fellowship of the ring <laughs> is broken. <laughs> Don't worry, I still retweet. I'm surprised you haven't dropped any Games of Thro- uh, Game of Thrones references. No spoilers though. For those who haven't seen it yet, the first episode is a cracker so get on it the very first episode season one oh, yeah episode no, no, season, one season, season eight season oh, eight. so i've not seen season one episode one yeah 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 ryan doesn't watch it but the rest of us do like i said just it's time it's like it seems you know when things get into three or four seasons and then you haven't seen them and you're no, kind of, of like oh this is gonna take her no of course you're right i'm like with mad men all these other series i just can't get into them once they've started and gone on too oh yeah have you not seen mad men never watched it wow yeah i never watched it or Boardwalk Empire, or... I think you'd really enjoy Mad Men. Yeah, so I'm told, but we'll see, we'll see. Oh, wow, check us out. <laughs> Maybe I'll watch it during my travels. Anyway, oh, nice. anyway, we better get out of here. Yeah, we're rambling. <laughs> um, reminder to get in touch if you want to get in touch about anything on the podcast or anything to do with Rabona, hello at rabonamag.com. Yep, or you can us. tweet us. All social media handles, at rabonamag. That's Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And also... If you do subscribe or listen to the podcast on iTunes, please be so kind. Please, please. And give us a review and a rating, preferably five stars. Tell a friend. Tell an enemy. Safe travels, Musa. Thank you so much. See you in a couple of weeks. Bye. Love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.